This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today, I have something very, very different for you, and you are going to love this interview. Today, on this episode, I have Rex Kalamian. Rex Kalamian is the first assistant coach for the LA Clippers. And um, we are going to talk today, I, I, I specifically asked Rex to come on today to talk about managing teams at the highest level, because many of you have sales teams. And one of the things that we all know about salespeople and sales teams is that there are big egos there. Well, you can't get much bigger egos than you can with a professional basketball team. And Rex has been in the NBA for over 20. Actually, I'm going to let him tell you his story. Um, Before we get into that, um, go to thewealthycontractor.com where we've got a bunch of resources for you where you can get signed up and get access to a bunch of stuff that uh, goes beyond just this podcast. All right. So Rex, thanks for being here. Welcome. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. So um, let's start with, well, first, let's start with what it is that you do at the the Clippers. What is the job of a first assistant coach? And then um, let's talk a little bit about your background. Well, a little brief history about who I am, and where I've come from. Uh, I, I grew up in Los Angeles. I've been in the NBA now. This is the start of my 25th season. So uh, I, I've been on an NBA team for 25 years uh, in some capacity, mainly uh, as an assistant coach for almost all 25 years. Um, very fortunate uh, to be in this business for such a long time and to continue to work because there is such a huge turnover um, with coaches, especially assistant coaches uh, in the league, um, in professional sports in general. But um, I'm back now with the Los Angeles Clippers. I started my career here. Uh, with them 25 years ago, and I, I, I was here for a while, and I've been with eight different organizations. I've seen so many different leadership styles, uh, different management styles, um, all kinds of different ownership, obviously. And uh, I, I've had a good, I think, uh, I've had a, a good chance to see a lot of different things, how to do things properly, and sometimes how to do things the wrong way uh, by leaders. But um, I'm really fortunate, and uh, my my main, I guess, obligation or, or uh, role with Clippers and with Doc Rivers is to lead the defense. Um, I'm in charge of the defense. I do all the game preparations for what we're going to do defensively against a particular team. I watch all the film of our own team and of upcoming opponents to prepare for that. Um, I write game plans, um, and then I execute them with our team uh, on off days and and uh, in game in game adjustments, which I'll make as things are going on. If things aren't going 
correctly for us defensively. I have to make adjustments and and change some things around. But for the most part, it's it's a uh, I'm the defensive coordinator, and I also help develop players uh, on off days and on practice days. I spend a lot of time with the players on the floor. Um, I want to come back to that for a second, but can you, um, we have listeners from, I want to say from all over, can you um, uh, rattle off the, all of the organizations that you've been a part of? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to try to do this in order. Los Angeles Clippers for nine years, Philadelphia 76ers for a year, Denver Nuggets, two years, um, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, two years, Sacramento Kings, two years, uh, Oklahoma City Thunder for six seasons, the the good six where we had a great team. Good six, uh, right. Good we got to talk about that. We yeah. got to talk about um, Oklahoma, Toronto for three years, the Toronto Raptors, and now back with the, uh, uh, the LA Clippers, um, which totals 25 seasons. So I've, wow. I've, I've done, a, uh, I've had my, my fill of, of moving and, uh, of moving boxes and moving trucks. I'm, I'm tired of it. But as I said earlier, like a lot of places you could go and sign a two or three year contract, but there are so many impatient, uh, fan bases, uh, leaders, managers, uh, owners, that when things don't go right in the first couple of years, they usually turn over the coaches and uh, get a whole new staff in. And typically in this business, when the head coach gets fired, the assistants usually uh, get fired along with the head coach. Yeah. And you've ha- you've ha- done an amazing job over all of these years. And just by the way, in case people are wondering, how do I know this guy? How do I know Rex Kalamian? I first met Rex. Um, I, was th- I was trying to think about this, Rex. And I think... When I first met you, so Rex's brother, Mitch, is is my best friend and my daughter's um, godfather. And I've known I've known Rex for as long as I've known Mitch, I think. And I think the first time I met you, you were with the Clippers, but you were in that little room watching video. You weren't getting paid, and I think you were at the Ritz Carlton parking cars. This is what I. This is what I think. <laughs> yes, I was so, also uh, in college at the same time, and you were in college <laughs> at the same time, right? I was doing a lot of different things. I was in. Uh, I was going to Cal Poly Pomona, uh, getting my business degree. I was parking cars at the Ritz Carlton. I was a part-time assistant coach at East Los Angeles College, and I was also an intern at. The, with the Los Angeles Clippers, which I served for two years uh, prior to getting my my uh, my full time job with them, so I guess if you add up those two years, it's been twenty seven years I've been in the wow. league. But um, I, I did all four different things, and I tried to uh, I tried to divide my time as best I could to try to you know make money and also study, but still get some get some. Uh, work and and how should i say this some some different type of uh professional work environment which i was getting with the los angeles clippers and some actual learning uh of what professional basketball would be like and luckily for me i i worked extremely hard and the leadership there at the time saw that i could bring value to the organization and they hired me uh, for a full-time position and i had just I guess I think I just graduated college and, and it worked out perfectly for me. So yeah. honest, honestly, other than parking cars, I've never had a real job in my life. 
<laughs> Good for you. So let's talk about, so let's, I want to go right into what you call uh, the good years at OKC. So you had on your, on your squad, d- name them off. You'll, you, you can name them better than I can. Well, name it, Kevin Durant, uh, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Serge Ibaka, Kendrick Perkins, and a lot of other really good players. Uh, Derek Fisher was on that team. Nick Collison. In 2012, we went to the NBA Finals and we lost to uh, the Miami Heat. That was LeBron James's first uh, championship that he won. Um, but we we knew that we were poised to win a lot of championships. These guys were really young. Kevin. Durant was 25, Russell was 24, James was 23, maybe even a year younger. And and they knew that this what we were creating was a, a, a dynasty, I think, that I, I don't know would, if, it could ever, if it would ever be touched again. We, we had the ability with those three players uh, to win, you know, multiple championships, kind of doing what Golden State is doing right now. Running through the NBA, we had that kind of talent. Uh, we had great leadership, great ownership, and unfortunately, uh, it's a very delicate thing. Um, winning and talent and teams—they're very delicate. And I think that when you have a good situation, you really have to massage it. You have to uh, embrace it. Um, and 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 unfortunately, it fell apart for us. We traded James Harden and. Kevin Durant eventually ended up leaving for Golden State, and it kind of blew up, and we didn't end up with any championships. But um, we had a lot of success uh, regardless, and we won a lot of basketball games. Yeah, you had a really – I mean, it was a great run, and for somebody that's not a big sports fan, I mean, it was pretty exciting. I, I, I always – you know, people ask me about sports all the time, and my only response is – uh, the only time I'm paying attention to sports is the team that Rex is on. I don't give a crap where where they are. That's the team I'm rooting for. Even if you know he's coming to town here playing against the Miami Heat, um, like last year, you know with the Raptors, I I was the only Miami guy in there that was that was uh, going for the Raptors. Um, <laughs> the, the, one, the one thing about that team, though, um, and those players is that uh, they were all very young at the time and. What people don't understand, and like in any sport, any um, professional, uh, uh, any any professional sport, or or even in business, it's it's about the the most critical component is about development. And for the NBA, it's about player development and skill development. It's about teaching and conditioning your players as as best as you can in practice so that they perform and they transfer what you're doing in practice onto the floor and building practice habits, building game habits and building life habits that will hopefully for you and your team, your organization continue to move forward as they get older. And for, for us, we had three great players to try to build all this, um, all, all the, to try to develop and uh, for for us, it's about making them better in the NBA. It's about teaching skills, demanding focus, uh, getting on them as as consistently as possible to bring their best each day. And we were able to do that with Kevin Russell and James Harden, and they all ended up being MVP players. Now they were going to get there anyway. We were just the teachers, the leaders. The the we showed them 
how to get on that path and then their talent took over. But I think whether you're in business or whether in professional sports, you have to think about player development and people development because it's a huge thing. What are some of the ways that how did you deal with managing the team? So by the way, for everybody that's listening, take everything that Rex is saying as he's talking about the players and apply it to your salespeople. Um, because, and, and, and I guess you could talk about everybody on your team, but in particular, the salespeople practice is important so that when they are um, on game day, which is in front of a customer, whether they are selling or they are, um, installing, um, that is game day when they are in front of a customer. So what are some of the things that you would do to, to, to develop the players? I mean, well, the first thing I try to do is bring leadership. Um, I, I, they have to show trust first of all. So from day one, when you walk into the practice facility and you meet your new players or you have a little reputation as a coach, they have a little reputation as a player. You start feeling each other out about, you know, how can we help each other? You know, and I'm in a position as a coach where I, I have to show leadership. I have to bring leadership. Um, that's the, the very core of my coaching philosophy revolves around leadership. Um, and without in any organization, without healthy, positive, focused leadership, nothing is going to is, is, is really going to grow. So you, you, you that's the core of everything. Um, uh, I, I think that. Uh, I try to provide as much leadership to our team as possible in the you know on days, off days, after after the 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 basketball ends, we sit down, I talk a lot to the players. There's a lot of interaction and I think that uh they have to understand what my vision is and and we have to have a a, a shared vision to accomplish what we want and personally I I have five pillars of leadership to my philosophy. And the first one is respect because there has to be a mutual respect between the player and the coach. Um, second one is support. Uh, I give a lot of support to the players. Uh, it's not always given back to me and I understand that. And that's part of the deal. Um, players don't have to support the coach back, but the, the coach and the leader has to support the player at all times. Um, positivity and energy is a big thing for me. Um, I try to bring it every day because you, you, you're, you're either bringing it or you're taking it. And I always want to be that person that brings it into the, into the building, the positive, uh, energy. Wow, that's and, great. I yes. love that. Um, I try to inspire as much as I can. And I do a lot of that through uh, my storytelling with players. And I, I use other players I've coached. And like I said, I've, I've been very fortunate to have coached three MVPs in the NBA. And, and I could attest to their work ethic and how they got to where they are today. And then my last uh, pillar is communication. Um, I, I think that open, honest communication with people, with players is so huge. Um, and, and, and like the, the trigger word is honesty. Um, I think that if they know the, whether it's, you know, a salesperson or a basketball player or uh, a student, whoever you're teaching, if they know that you are honest with, with them, I think that's when you really start to develop, uh, not only a relationship, but, um, you know, development as a person comes into effect. Wow, that's great. I love the energy one. You're either bringing it or you're taking it. No question. And, and that, you want to be the one that's bringing it. 
I want to bring the one, I want to be the one that's bringing it every day. And that not only includes practice, but that's in team meetings. That's in our coaches meetings that we have every day. You could come in and, and sometimes be a distraction or you could come in and be a, a positive influence on the meeting. Um, you know, some, some people I have been with in the past like to come into meetings and just either argue or deliberate everything, whether it's, uh, defensive coverages, offensive philosophy, why we're not winning, and really it's counterproductive. Um, so I try to come in and bring solutions rather than problems. I, if I could come into the building and into our meeting, we usually meet for about an hour and a half or two hours every morning before practice uh, or a game as a, as a coaching staff. And there could be any anything any uh, number between four and eight people in in the meeting and that's a lot of different voices and it's a lot of different opinions and you have to make sure that you are being heard so you have to say the right things at the right times um and they have to be accurate i i I deal with facts basically uh before i come in and, and start throwing things around we should do this or this is what we're doing or we're losing because of this I get my facts. I, I make sure that everything that I'm basing my opinion on is is fact based because I can see it with my eyes, but I also have to know that the numbers are firmly behind what I'm going to say. And just a note, again, here's how you apply that. You know, in a home improvement business, we you've heard me say this before, and you've heard many of my guests say it. It's it's about understanding the numbers because the numbers don't lie. And so when when Rex says he's coming in there with facts, he understands that hey, today we got you know applying it to home improvement x we got x number of inquiries meaning people that were interested we had you know y number of them converted into an appointment and we ran you know z number of leads which turned into you know a certain number of sales um rex how do you how do you deal with the egos i i got to think that there's a lot of ego not even only with the players, because you're dealing with people at the highest levels of performance. I mean, you don't get into the NBA um, and stay in the NBA at any level if you're not a high performer. And I would imagine a lot of them have really big egos. How do you deal with all of the egos? <laughs> there are a lot of egos. And, and um, you know, I guess NBA players have the right to have some egos. They, you know, a lot of these guys have accomplished uh, a lot of things. They're they're looked up to. Um, and they're given a lot of different things from a very young age, um, and they haven't had to. They haven't had much heart heart heartbreak or much failure, I should say, in life. A lot of these guys, um, and you have to understand different people different players, different personalities. And for myself, there's 15 players on a team and everybody has a little bit of a different ego. And I try to really learn the player and learn what makes the player tick. I try to um, dive into their personal life a little bit, where they come from, who are they, um, and and really attack them or uh, deal with them on a, a more personal level. Um, I think that if you could do that with 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 people, um, you can, I think, put their guard down on certain things. And if you could have a one-on-one type of relationship, th- the ego seems to uh, decrease a little bit. 
So there's there's not as much. I think in in big group settings, um, sure there could be a lot of ego and there there could be a lot of personality. Um, but in one on one situations, I've had success being able to connect with players, and uh, and and for me, it's never been a problem because uh, uh, ego I, I think is something I really try to take out of the. Um, the ingredient of what I'm trying to do with the player. So if I have to tell a player something, I come at him directly. And, and I think some of the guys get, a, they're, may, they may be a little um, taken aback by my direct approach with them. And that's okay. Um, I think that it probably diffuses any, any friction or a, any sense of ego between either of us. Um, and I just try to be straightforward with each, each guy, you know, there's different ways of learning for different people. Um, visual, there's three ways for me. There's visual, verbal, and tactile. So the visual way that people learn is that you have to show them something on film. They learn it. They see it verbally is how we do much of our coaching. It's through talking and telling them what you want and then having them do it. And that's game type coaching. And then tactile is actually getting out there and touching them, feeling, showing them things, uh, letting them try it. And that's a practice day. And I, I try to figure out what the player that I'm dealing with would best learn what I'm teaching. It is, 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 is this person a visual, a verbal, or a tactile learner? And, and when I could figure that out, then I could start to really start to uh, connect with the player. And I think they're more open because they understand now what you're teaching them and how, they're, how, they, how they could best, um, I think, just understand the information. Wow, that's awesome. So Rex, I'm watching the clock and and um, we've got about six or seven minutes here. And I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, success, success habits, success um, principles, um, aside from the talent, because a lot of, you know, when we talk about the players, a lot of these guys have talent um, that a normal person just does not have. Of course, the talent needs to be developed. They can't just sit on their asses and do nothing. They've they've got to develop that talent. But you're in a world of, um, you know, you've got player, you've got owners, I should say, that are probably uh, well. You worked for a billionaire. Um, the first I do one around I do right now. And oh, I right now, that. oh, it's right now too. Steve Ballmer, Steve Ballmer is our owner, who is also the uh, the originator of Microsoft. Yeah. Um, what are some of the things that you've seen, not only with the owners, not only with with players, but kind of across the board? What are the things that you've seen that make people successful? Not necessarily a player, not necessarily an owner, but just what are some of the things that make people successful? Well, the first thing you have to have is a dedication to your craft, uh, a dedication to whatever you're trying to do. You have to be dedicated to it. Um, you have to do it every day, whatever you're doing. Um, if you want to be good at something, you, you have to be dedicated and you have to start to build habits of success. I think that what we see a lot of times in the NBA is you'll see a player come in for three years and then all of a sudden they're out of the NBA and they won't ever get back in. And then you'll see some players that'll have a 15 year career. And the thing that defines those two players 
is dedication, persistence, and a word that uh, is gaining momentum right now called grit. Um, and I think if you have those three things with whatever you're doing, you could probably make it and stay in whatever profession you're trying to get involved in and you could probably be successful. And I've seen the best NBA players have those three qualities. They're dedicated. They have a persistence to get better and to come into the gym every day. And you have to have uh, some grit to you. Um, and uh, there, Talk there's a little bit more about grit. Well, there's there's a great um, book that was written. Uh, the author escapes my mind right now, but there's a YouTube video that she put out on TED Talks that um, where I think it's a, a ten or fifteen minute video where the most successful people this author has found have has something called grit, and that that's like the ability to be persistent and to keep coming back and to have a grittiness to you that doesn't allow you to uh, accept failure, right? To, to find positive ways, to find success, uh, you have to be gritty. And um, it's funny because I, I had just watched this particular TED Talks uh, about grit about a month ago. And our owner, Steve Ballmer, who uh, started Microsoft, who's a, a, a billionaire many times over and a very, very um, uh, smart individual. He's come up with so many different things. Uh, and a lot of people know who Steve Ballmer is. Uh, he came in and he spoke to the team. And uh, one of his one of his key things to our team was that he wanted us as a team to have grit. And he wanted us to fight and persevere through tough times. And we know there's going to be tough times, whether it's in NBA, uh, basketball, or business. There's going to be some bad weather is coming, and, and you just have to prepare for it. And um, I think that uh, being gritty as an individual helps you get through some difficult times. Uh, by the way, Rex, I just looked it up. It's Angela Lee Duckworth. Mm-hmm. And she does not look like a Duckworth. No. <laughs> but her name is Angela Lee Duckworth. Um, what are some, uh, you know, so habits are really important. Um, what are some of the habits that you've seen um, that contribute to, to success? I mean, those three things are great. But what are some, like, down-in-the-weeds habits? Well, I think it's um... – I think it's finding a, a rhythm and a routine of doing something every day. Um, I, I coached a player by the name of Kevin Garnett, and he had a routine that really worked for him. It's a consistency that you have to have um, that I think once you get a consistency to what you're doing, then the habits kick in and the things that you're working on kick in. But I would say that, you know, waking up every morning and having a plan for what you're doing, being organized is a huge key uh, to success, especially in professional sports. Believe it or not, you, you need to be organized. You need to have time management with what you're doing, you know, and everything in our life is based on time, believe it or not, you know, where you have to be, how, how quickly you have to get things in or out. And, um, uh, you have to have an, an organization to you uh, that 
that allows you to be your best every day and not be running around all over the place. Um, and, and I've seen the best players uh, have consistency and organization. Awesome. Who's your fa- who is your favorite player in all of these years? Who is your favorite player? You know, I've had so many different players I've coached that I know uh, I've liked as players and I've liked as people. And uh, I, I would have to say that, you know, it's hard to pick one, but I've, I've had so many different interesting conversations and I've learned so much from guys like I'm, I'm just going to pick out a few. Derek Fisher, who's a five time NBA champion with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, just a, a, a really interesting, neat, thoughtful person. Uh, Nick Collison, uh, who played 15 years in the NBA for the uh, Seattle Sonics and the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, I, 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 those two guys, in terms of talking to people, I really enjoyed. Now, in terms of playing and coaching and every day-to-day basis, uh, James Harden and Kevin Durant are two of my my favorites. And uh, one particular person, Russell Westbrook, has always been so um, nice. And he, from the day he stepped in the NBA till today, which has been probably 10, 11 years, that kid has not changed one bit in terms of who he is as a person and how he treats people. And uh, um, it's just a, 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 you know, I I commend him for having, you talk about egos, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't have one. He may portray uh, a sense of his ego and how he dresses and uh, his style of, 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 um, you know how how he presents himself, but he he's really a down to earth person and someone I I really call a friend and I really admire. Cool. So look, I we're 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 up against the clock. I know you gotta go. Um, you have to go to work. What are you gonna do today, by the way? Yeah, well, it's early in California. It's uh it's early in the morning, but I have practice today. We open the season. Uh, tomorrow will be our first game at home against the Denver Nuggets. So we're going in today. It's going to be a light workout. Um, we're not going to run our players too much today. We're going to try to save their body, save their energy. We'll do a lot of shooting. We'll watch some film. We'll talk about the Denver Nuggets. We'll walk through some of the things that they do. Um, we'll talk as a team about what we have to do. Um, some guys will lift some weights. It, it's really kind of a feel good day in our gym today. So, um, Hopefully, everything that we're going to work on today and things that we're teaching will will uh, uh, transfer into tomorrow's game, and we'll see how we're going to play. 82 games we play, and it's a season of eight months. Um, it could even be longer if you make it through the playoffs. Um, it's a lot of... It's a lot of time that you're spending with the same people every single day, and um, you know this is not even counting the hours that you're on airplanes and buses and in hotels, uh, the downtime, the down days in between on the road, there's a lot of time spent with the same people. So, um, we, 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 you form a little family bond after a while. So it's, it's, it's fun, but it's, 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 you're giving a lot of yourself. Uh, there's a lot of commitment that you're giving to being an NBA coach. Yeah. All right. Well, Rex, thank you. I, I appreciate it. Um, everybody that's that's listening out there, um, remember the name Rex Kalamian. He's an Armenian. We got to say that he's an Armenian. He will be the first Armenian um, head coach of an NBA team. Right? There's never been 
Um, I hope so. No, there hasn't, and I hope so. Yeah, I can say it. Maybe you can't, but I will say it. Rex Kalamian will be the first Armenian NBA head coach, and uh, all of you will be able to say, hey, I remember that guy, Rex Kalamian. Well, th- Rex, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Um, everybody listening, uh, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And until next time, this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor. I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com. Or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no-obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business, and we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally... We started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the Wealthy Contractor. Now, the Wealthy Contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing.